Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk today on the show. The start of the year has been strong for stock markets, but has it been too strong? Some are beginning to ask whether the extreme gains made at the top of global markets is in fact the sign of a melt up in share prices, the last leg before the bubble bursts. Are they right? If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. It's almost a quarter of a century since stock markets suffered the dot-com crash. After chasing up prices on practically any company connected to the rapid growth of the internet, investors suddenly lost faith and an historic plunge in markets ensued. Are we risking a rerun of that today? The astronomic gains for tech-focused companies at the top of the US market in particular has raised that question. Is their strong run sustainable or is this the final melt-up before the big crash? To answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, You've written on this very question this week and uh, you alighted upon five potential signs that we may be see hi- seeing history repeat itself here. But uh, the starting point for this was uh, an example that you found from today, which has an eerie similarity with an example from the past. What was that? Yeah, um, morning, Ed. So, uh, I mean, we've all been watching the uh, the performance of uh, NVIDIA uh, shares with sort of uh, uh, awe from the, from the sidelines in, in, in most cases. I mean, the, the shares have performed extraordinarily well and they've been you know that the the poster child if you like of this sort of ai revolution which has driven the technology stocks uh in america which in turn has driven uh the stock market in america and indeed the stock markets all all around the world so um nvidia is very much at the focal point of this this bull market that we seem to be we seem to be uh, enjoying at the moment and i was really struck uh just looking at some charts i was just reminded of 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 what happened 25 years ago i remember it very well the the dot-com bubble uh back then when uh, similarly tech stocks soared in soared in value and and the one that really jumped out at me was uh cisco systems which was um uh i mean it's a different kind of company it was a hardware company um uh but it was really very much at the heart of that dot-com bubble and uh, and I looked at the two charts side by side, and I was really struck by by the similarities. In both cases, there was a very strong uplift in share in share price, um, uh, both for Nvidia and for Cisco Systems. And then there was a period of a few months when the market sort of kind of paused for breath, as uh, almost as if uh, investors couldn't quite believe what they'd just been through, and they and they just waited to see whether it was real. And then. Uh, it, it was it was like the the doubters were sucked in and and the share price took off and, and and almost went vertically up the page and and that was the that was the pattern with Cisco Systems twenty five years ago and it was exactly the same it has been exactly the same pattern with Nvidia so that rather sort of raised the question uh, with me of well well what happened next and and that's where that's where the comparison gets really interesting because. Uh, with Cisco Systems, after that, after that period of, of essentially a sevenfold rise in in a couple of years, um, 
the dot-com bubble burst and Cisco's share price fell very sharply, fell by nearly 90% in, uh, in about 18 months. And so, you know, that was the interesting question for me. What happens next with NVIDIA? Yeah, it's a really interesting comparison. I mean, first of all, you know, NVIDIA, um, first of all, it's perfectly legitimate, isn't it, to pick on NVIDIA because it's, it's scale now. I mean, it's sort of almost week by week is overtaking uh, a bunch of names that we already thought were sort of very highly valued and very sort of, you know, uh, future focused in terms of earnings and, and what investors were seeing in them. It's just, it's leapfrogs, um, some of those huge tech names already. So it's it's legitimate to ask a question about that company. And yeah, that comparison with Cisco. Now, I, I guess the point about Cisco is that, you know, it didn't disappear, did, did it? It still exists as a company. Um, in fact, it's it's a it's a large, you know, company. It's sort of cloud computing and network computing, but it's not really at the forefront, really, of anything um, in terms of tech these days. And I guess that's the pessimist's case when it comes to Nvidia. There might be a really compelling story, but you're you're kind of choosing to pick one winner out of whatever revolution we're seeing in in, in AI. Uh, and, and the growth of that kind of technology, right? I mean, th- the stakes are really high for NVIDIA. Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. And very often, uh, it's not the pioneer in these revolutions which which ends up being the big winner. Uh, I, I mean, you look at you look at NVIDIA, it clearly has a huge um, uh, advantage over its uh, over its rivals at at the moment in terms of uh, the, the chips that it manufactures, um, it, it's the, the, the knowledge advantage that it has. It is is in the front of the pack, but you can't believe that the that the other big names in in this in this area are just going to stand idly by and let Nvidia um, reap all the benefits of this uh, AI revolution. If that's what we're if that's what we're on the brink of, so uh, yeah, I mean with Cisco. Um, you know, it had a, it had a lead twenty five years ago. Other companies came along, companies which actually existed at the time in in cloud computing, um, but but they were very different companies then. I mean, you know, look at Amazon. You know, it's a, it's a it's a leader in in cloud computing now. Back then, it was it, I mean, it wasn't quite just a, uh, it wasn't quite an online bookstore, but it was but essentially it was a very different company then, and it has developed and it's and it's and it's overtaken Cisco in that area. Yeah. And, and just finally on this example, before we sort of widen the, the conversation out a bit, but, um, you know, one of the things that investors in NVIDIA will say is, look, it's very different from 25 years ago, not least because NVIDIA makes loads and loads and loads of money. And you saw some really interesting behavior around the share price of NVIDIA last week. We were waiting for earnings, weren't we? The world, it felt, was waiting for the earnings from NVIDIA. Um, already, a, a, you know, incredible gains this year alone on top of what it done in the last two years. And as those earnings approached, the price fell. I don't know what it shared, 6 8%, like a t- significant uh, an amount and then the earnings came in and they overshot they beat expectations and then that all that loss was regained and more and what that tells you that volatility probably tells you that there is a lot of nervousness around where that share price is at the moment but people are focusing on the future and focusing on those earnings and if they come through they're they're going to stay on board yeah, I mean, you you said it yourself uh, a moment ago that the stakes are very high, and they are with Nvidia. And last week, you know, arguably, Nvidia's uh, results announcement last week was, you know, 
the the most important results announcement that that we've had you know in a very very long time everyone was watching it it was almost like it was a a judgment on on the the state of the uh, of the bull market itself not just one company's results and as it happened uh, the results came through very strong i think it was 265% growth in revenues so nvidia is still delivering well in advance of uh, of expectations but you know with the with the scale of the the run up in the share price it has to keep delivering and that's always that's always the concern when you get uh, into these sort of um, nascent bubble situations, which I think we're probably beginning to get into. We'll come on to that, I'm sure. Um, you know, wh- wh- when when that happens, um, companies need to really over-deliver to justify what's already happened to the share price. Yeah, and, and just finally, finally, just because it's come, it's come to mind as you say that, Tom, I mean, I we spoke, I think, a few weeks ago about um, these magnificent seven techs companies uh, in general, and we looked at some valuations on them. And I remember back then, and th- this literally was a few weeks ago. Nvidia looked it looked very expensive on on uh, price to earnings based on what has just happened. It looked a little bit more reasonable, but still quite expensive on forward price to earnings. But where it actually looked quite good value was on something called the peg ratio. That's the price to earnings to growth ratio. Um, bit technical, but I think hope listeners will stick with it. Um, and on that measure, it had a reading of, I think, 0.55. Now, any reading under one in that measure means that the, the, the shares are sort of fairly priced based on the growth of future earnings. After the gains that we've seen since then, since we last spoke about this, Tom, that, that peg ratio has gone from 0.55, I think, to 0.1 or 1.2. That means That means the market does not think the price is actually justified, even based on the future earnings. Now, we've had an earnings round since then. Maybe those expectations get revised up again. But it gives an indication of, you know, this This is kind of, this is Wiley Coyote off the edge of a cliff stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it's, 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 you know, the, the market might suddenly realise that um, there's quite a long way to fall. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. As you know, the onus is on Nvidia to keep to to deliver, to keep over delivering, and you know that there inevitably there will come a point when it it even if it's producing very good results, they're just not beating expectations, and that's when a very you know highly rated share um, it becomes very vulnerable. Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, let's widen it out, Tom, because it isn't just about NVIDIA. Uh, you, you wrote this week that there were five signs, potentially five signs, that we could be in the um, early stages of a bubble. What what were those signs? Yeah, I mean, I think there were probably there were probably many more than five, but the five that I just sort of plucked out. I mean, and, and the, the first of them is that um, there is the widespread adoption of, of what I call a new economy story. So, uh, you know, the, a revolution in, in the, the global uh, economy. And clearly, it, this is the AI story. I mean, if you go back 25 years ago, you know, the, 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 the equivalent story was the internet, you know, that everyone said the internet is going to change everything. Uh, and of course, in time, it did. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, maybe the market got ahead of itself, but, but the, the internet revolution was real. And, you know, it's entirely likely that the AI revolution is just as real, but it's unproven. No one really knows how it's going to to unfold, and that's where the uncertainty uh, comes in. But you need that narrative, you need that new story uh, to to take place to underpin uh, a, a bubble. And clearly, 
that's in place. We, we have that. So related to that, I think, is you get this sort of this generational um, divide and, and, you know, you get the, the, the sense that, you know, you get, you know, old, old guys like me who've sort of seen it before and, and think and, and, you know, say, well, you know, things revert to the mean and, you know, let's not get overexcited. And then you get the, the you know, the young investors who've not lived through a, a cycle like this before. And they say, you, you just don't get it. You know, the world, the world is different now. It's different this time. Uh, which, of course, famously are the four most dangerous words in investment because, you know, usually uh, uh, it isn't different this time. Um, in order for them to justify w what they're saying, in order to justify this it's different now argument, I think that, you know, you need to you need to invalidate all the sort of arguments that the, that the old guys like me come up with and that we retreat into, which are usually around valuation. And and what tends to what happened last time, of course, is that the the traditional valuation measures were were invalidated. People said, look, you know, there's you can't just look at price to earnings ratios because these are very high growth companies. They're not earning yet, but they will be in the future. So look for something different, you know. And 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 you know, famously, people said, look for eyeballs. How many people are looking at these websites? That's all you need. That's all you need to know. So uh, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, I did see an example of something that I did see an expression price to innovation, which set some alarm bells uh, ringing. <laughs> uh, I haven't got a clue what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> but when you see these uh, these new expressions, you know, uh, red flags start start to wave. Yeah. And, and Tom, just on this point about these um, th these ways of valuing companies, I mean, it's, it, it is genuinely quite hard because it, it's, it's easy, isn't it, to make fun of, of those kind of measures. And, and they hark back, don't they, to the, the dot-com crash and some of the and some of the sort of the, the airy-fairy things that were people choosing to focus on to justify the high prices. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, if you broaden this out a little bit to the last, you know, couple of decades, these these big tech companies, they are different in lots of ways. You know, normally, well, not normally, historically, for companies to be this big, they, they would have had to invest so much capital, you know, if, if they were, you know, drilling oil or they were... Um, I don't know, developing drugs or whatever, you know, hugely capital intensive exercises. Um, these companies don't quite have that in the same way. I'm sure they do have lots of um, investment they have to make, but they probably deserve a different valuation, don't they, from old economy companies? I, I don't disagree with that. And 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 I think the, argue, the argument is valid. And of course, it's very close to the, the arguments that I've just been been making about saying it's different this time and you know and and this is this is the this is the question which investors face to yes of course it's different this time it, the, the 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 shape of the global economy how companies make their money the power of these big um essentially network effect driven companies is totally different from from the old world but to what extent is it really different this time? And that—that that is the great un that's the great unknown. Yes, indeed. And, and then, I mean, what, one of the other things you picked upon was um, a, a trend that can happen in, in sort of bubble environments where, where people, you know, perhaps have seen one risky asset do quite well, and then they suddenly get very interested in other risky assets. Have we seen evidence of that? Yeah, and I, 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 I don't think, I think, well, I think we have to a certain extent. I think that the whole Bitcoin um, uh, uh, thing is 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 partly evidence of this. I think that when when people start to get excited about speculative assets that don't really have, 
you know, uh, sort of cash flow backing or asset backing. I think that is a sign that that things are are, are hotting up. Um, I was interested last week actually to see that uh, a, a report from the OECD on the housing market suggesting that uh, the correction in the housing market uh, may well be over. They looked at I think at thirty six or thirty seven countries, and in most cases. Uh, the housing market seems to have bottomed out and is beginning to take off. So I think that that's. I think there are examples of things beginning to um, beginning to spread out from from the stock market. Uh, this happened, of course, famously in in the in the nineteen eighties bubble in Japan, where you know things started out in in the the stock market, in the property market, and then they spread to other sort of. Um, less mainstream assets, things like yeah, you know, you, you, I, I remember you know some of the prices that were paid for impressionist art at the time were you know absolutely eye popping, and that was really just a reflection of a lot of money sloshing around looking for a, looking for a home. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, and I, I think you know actually I think generally speaking, I think if we are moving into a bubble environment, we're very much in the early stages of it. I don't think that. Uh, I, I don't think that investors have, you know, quite sort of taken leave of their senses in the way that they did 25 years ago, which I, you know, which I guess is an encouraging sign um, that, you know, that 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 this this bubble is not about to pop because I don't even think that the bubble has really inflated yet. But I think there are a lot of early signs that it might be on its way. Yeah, and and I guess one of those you know uh, things you can focus on is is valuations, isn't it? And I think you made the point that. But 25 years ago, the difference between valuations on one part of the market and, and the top of it um, was just huge. And, and whilst we do have quite extreme differences today, then they're, they're not as extreme. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to define what a what a bubble is. Uh, and the valuation premium that you mentioned there is one sort of very numerical quantitative way of, of doing that. Uh, and I think and I'm encouraged by that because if you go back to 1999 and indeed if you go back further to the early 1970s, the, uh, the, the, the valuation premium of the most popular shares in the market was much greater than it is today. So back then, those companies like Cisco were, valued, were valued on average at about twice as, twice as much as the, in terms of the price to earnings relationship. They were twice as expensive as the rest of the market. If you look now, uh, it's more like a sort of 30% premium. So, you know, yes, these shares are more expensive than the rest of the market, but, you know, the valuations are not excessive, I don't think. Okay. And, and just finally, before we go, Tom, a word of, uh, I don't know, soothing words or, or words of caution for investors out there. I mean, yes, you can worry about this thing, this sort of, uh, you know, future developments, but uh, the reality is if you continue to invest throughout periods of the ups and the downs, you don't actually need to worry. That's the first thing to say. And secondly, you know, these things shouldn't really affect your investment. You should already be sort of geared up to um, have your allocation correct, your diversification correct, so that you're not particularly spooked about these kind of situations. Yeah, I mean, I think the key the key point is that what tends to happen at the back end of these uh, run-ups in in share prices is that um, uh, some people uh, become overexposed to the frothy area of the market because and you know the temptation is huge you know to to stand back and watch while this uh, corner of the market is doing so well is very difficult for investors so I think it requires 
discipline. It requires making sure that you're still diversified, um, that uh, you're still investing regularly. All of those things that we talk about a lot. The, the the trick is not to lose your discipline when all around you people are are, are getting a bit overexcited. Okay. Okay. Well, Tom, that is all the time we have for now. Thanks an awful lot for joining me. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.